Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Real Talks. I'm your host, David Steele, and I'm flying solo today. Just a friendly reminder, if you like what you're hearing, you can follow us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Just search Real Talks. That's R-E-E-L Talks. Just like my name, S-T-E-E-L-E. Also, you can follow us on social media. I'm on Twitter at WannabeRounder. LinkedIn and on Instagram at dcaduto and she's on LinkedIn as well along with Instagram and her handle is E-L-O-R-A-Z-E-M Just a couple of quick announcements Our Patreon channel went live about a month ago You can find it by typing Real Talks into the search bar Let me tell you a little about it We're offering 5 different levels to support us at $5 $10 and $40. If you do choose to support us, you'll have the opportunity to earn some great perks, such as getting your name shouted out before every podcast, cool merch, and if you're one of our major contributors, you'll get a one-hour monthly Zoom meeting with Illora and myself. For more details, just go to the website. I'll leave the link in the description, which leads me to my next big announcement. We're only one short week away from Flashback Friday, where Anne and myself will be discussing films from the past. The first film we'll be talking about will be Iron Man, and then we're going to be doing every single MCU movie in chronological order. I can't reiterate enough. Hit that follow button so you never miss a podcast. So today is our weekly roundup show, where I'll be talking about some of the most relevant stories of the week, including John Watts exiting the Fantastic Four, Netflix hit with layoffs, and CinemaCons in full swing. We'll be talking about some of the major happenings there, including Top Gun being hailed as the perfect blockbuster, Avatar 2 The Way of Water debuts footage, finally, and in a bizarre twist, Jason Zendukas serving Olivia Wilde as she's on stage? Huh? Before we get all into that, though, we do have to pay the bills, and we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in 30 seconds. Leadership, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starfleet Leadership Academy. Its ongoing mission to develop leaders through Star Trek. To boldly go where no podcast has gone before. A Star Trek podcast told through the lens of leadership development. Subscribe today. The Starfleet Leadership Academy. And welcome back. So, the first topic of the day is going to involve John Watts no longer directing the Fantastic Four franchise. And this comes from The Hollywood Reporter. John Watts will no longer be directing the upcoming Fantastic Four film. Watts, who helmed the massively successful Spider-Man Homecoming, Spider-Man Far From Home, and Spider-Man No Way Home for Sony Pictures and Marvel Studios, has withdrawn from the Marvel Cinematic Universe project. Making three Spider-Man films was an incredible and life-changing experience for me. I'm eternally grateful for having been part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe for seven years. I'm hopeful we'll work again together someday. And I can't wait to see the amazing vision for Fantastic Four, he said in a statement. Kevin Feige, Marvel Studio President and Co-President Luis D'Esposito said in a statement, Collaborating with John on the Spider-Man films has been a true pleasure. 
we were looking forward to continuing our work with him to bring the Fantastic Four into the MCU, but understand and are supportive of his reasons for stepping away. We are optimistic that we will have the opportunity to work together with him at some point down the road. It was Feige who made the announcement. Watts would helm the Fantastic Four picture back in December of 2020 during Disney's Investor's Day presentation. Okay, so let me put in my two cents about this. This, so whenever they have to split ways with the director after working with him for a long period of time, more than likely, it's because of creative differences. So what ends up happening is John wanted one thing, and Kevin Feige wanted something else. And they couldn't come to an agreement about it. Now, we don't know what that is, and we probably never will know what that is. But, if you're John Watts, you're set up for the rest of your career. He's now made three $1 billion films with Marvel. And we don't know if this could have been a fourth, but we do know that whoever gets it, it will be good. Because Kevin Feige is the uh, force driving behind it. I think that anything is going to be better than the two films or three films that we had of the Fantastic Four. Um, The one with... Michael Chiklis was okay, or, you know, the very first Fantastic Four was okay. I mean, it wasn't anything special. Uh, Jessica Alba was in that, and so Rise of Silver Surfer was, I mean, now, mind you, all films are subjective, but back in the day, these were just bad films, and the one that just got released a couple years ago with Michael B. Jordan, and um, I can't think of anybody else, it wasn't that memorable, (laughs) Fox just made that so they could keep the rights. That all being said, I think this is a perfect opportunity and for somebody else to come in and actually do good work. But here's what I want to say. So if you want to go back and actually listen to the an interview uh, Iloa and myself conducted with um, Ryan McQuaid last, just last week, We talked about diversity in Hollywood, and we also talked about the lack of female directors. We also talked about how studios will not give female directors the time of day. Um, Chloe Zhao had just won an Oscar coming off of the the best picture of the year last year, and of course she gets Eternals. I want a no-name director. I don't want to see Jane Campion's name, you know, on the on the foyer saying directed by J- Jane Campion, you know, Academy nominated for The Power of the Dog. I don't want to see that. Okay? I want to see somebody that you haven't heard of before. And I want to see them put their vision into this film. Now, obviously, there has to be some basic guidelines. And... It has to, you know, collaborate and be consistent with the story. You know, we got Doctor Strange, you know, in a couple of weeks. So that's going to be, you know, and it has to fit, essentially. It has to fit in. But I want to see a no-name director come in. And I want to see them succeed. And 
because if we just give this to another male director, what are we really doing here? Um, so uh, this is this is a perfect opportunity for somebody who hasn't won an Academy Award, okay, to come in and do good work. And I think at the end of the day, all of us movie fans, whether we like the MCU or we like other franchises, we just want to see good work and good scripts and good pictures being made at the end of the day. So I really hope whoever Feige chooses is going to be A, it's female, and B, I hope Marvel lets her do their vision, or her vision, rather. So we'll see. I, I'm cautiously optimistic. So moving on. So moving on to our next topic. Um, now we move on to streaming. And this comes from Variety. Netflix is reorganizing its marketing department, promoting some key executives while eliminating several positions as part of the move. 25 people from Netflix's global marketing team of more than 500 employees will be laid off, Friday's learned. The cuts come after Netflix announced in its most recent earnings call that it lost 200,000 subscribers with the slowing revenue growth, causing its share to slide. Netflix has signaled to investors that it is committed to maintaining operating margins of 19-20%. to 20%. However, insiders say the plans to shake up the alignment of the marketing department were hatched last year. The goal is to delayer the executive team and simplify reporting structure as well as trim costs. As part of that effort, Shelley Gilliard, Vice President of the United States and Canada, the Canada series marketing and Jonathan Helgoff, vice president of the United States and Canada film marketing are both being promoted to co-lead Netflix US and Canada marketing. They're filling the job left vacant by Marion Lane who was promoted last month to the chief operating marketing position. She replaced Bazama St. John. Gilliard and Helfont are well-liked within the company and seen as strong and creative leaders and with deep marketing backgrounds, having worked on Netflix hits such as Bridgerton and The Adam Project. Okay, so this is just one of those things where people are losing their jobs because of what happened. It wasn't anything... There's no other uh, reason for this. In my opinion, at least in my opinion, okay, I could be wrong. Twenty-five people, five of more than five hundred. You're talking about one eighth. So even let's say it is five hundred. A quarter would be twenty-five percent. So you're talking maybe about eight to ten percent. In the grand scheme of things, this isn't that much. Some of these people are being promoted. Um, Two hundred thousand. Uh, so. A few weeks ago, Illo and myself discussed this about why we think Netflix lost all those subscribers. I had a couple of uh, reasons myself. Number one, I think people want to go back to the theater. I think people are tired of watching streaming. 
And if they're going to pay money, they want to pay money to go see movies. They don't want to see it in their house. Number two, it's, it's one of those things where people, there's so many streaming options out there that if you have a certain budget, as most people do, then what are you going to spend it on? One item or multiple streaming services? So that's another reason I think that, you know, the program with the ads, whether it worked or it didn't work, they have to, they have, to have revenue somehow. They have to create revenue, and it, it costs mo- it costs money for content, as it is with this. And this is, you know, my opening. <laughs> you know, I'm asking you guys if you wanted to go to Patreon, which you know would be incredible. And look, I'd be giving you guys, you know, cool merchandise and you know shoutouts before every podcast. But the point is, it costs money to create content. Okay, and I think that when you you know there's a couple of other reasons I I named you should go back and listen to that podcast for the rest of them but at the end of the day this isn't that big of a deal um 25 people of 500 you know whether they get promoted or they get laid off or whatever it's not that big of a deal now I will say one thing though I think their marketing team needs to be improved I think that how they, and I've always contended this, how they market movies is terrible. Eight out of ten things you see on Netflix that's original, it's horrible. And that goes to the marketing team. Now, don't get me wrong, they do have some gems, like The Queen's Gambit, like The Crown, like The Irishman. They have, they have gems out there, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the majority of their content, original content, they don't, they don't market. It's buried. So when you go to watch something, you know, you don't know about it. Half, half the people don't know about it because, so, yeah, I, I think that at the end of the day, though, 25 people, not a big deal. I think it was 250 people. <laughs> Of 500, you, you know, then uh, you'd be worried. And it, look, they even said they're maintaining an operation margin of 19 to 20%. So they're just cutting their costs. So it's unfortunate for those 25 people. But at the end of the day, this is just a business decision. So, but I, I think that Netflix will be just fine and they'll rebound just fine. Now we get into the meat and potatoes of this week's podcast. So this week was CinemaCon. And for all those lucky individuals that got to go, they got a whole bunch of brand new stuff. So I should say CinemaCon is for mostly, it's for theater owners. So the studios basically, what ends up happening is a lot of trailers are shown, a lot of new footage is shown. Sometimes little bits of film are shown from upcoming movies. So CinemaCon is an event. And so this this year was no different. And it went from the good to the great to the strange. And we'll talk about that in a minute. The first uh, big story that happened after 
all these years and all this and all this time and all the rumors and all of the innuendo we finally got an avatar 2 uh, trailer so it was unveiled at CinemaCon and this comes from the USA Today get ready to re-immerse yourself in the world of Pandora on Wednesday Disney revealed the first teaser trailer for Avatar The World of Water, which is in theaters on December 16th. The long-awaited sequel to James Cameron's record-shattering 2009 blockbuster. As the title suggests, the gorgeous new footage was filled out with shots of the listen, excuse me if I, I have not seen the movie, so if I butcher this, somebody help me out. Uh, naive people swimming in crystal blue pools swimming over sparkling waterways over winged creatures and emerging from the ocean to wage battle the trailer which was shown in 3d ended in a tearful exchange between our hero jake sully sam worthington and his partner nayatha i know one thing he reassures her wherever we go this is this family's our fortress journal journalists in attendance took to twitter after the premiere's trailers premiere at CinemaCon to rave what they saw, calling the Avatar sequel a quote, visual feast and absolutely stunning. The Way of Water is the first of four planned Avatar movies that, set, that is set to arrive in theaters in the coming years. There is no more relatable theme than family, producer John Landau teased while speaking to the crowd at the Coliseum at Caesar's Palace. At the center of each one of these four sequels is a, the Sully family. He continued that the film will, quote, play out as their own standalone movie, end quote, with, quote, fulfilling resolutions to every film, end quote. Although, when looking at, looking at it as a whole, all four sequels will be a, quote, connected saga, end quote. Way of Water will also return, have some returning members from the first film, including Sigourney Weaver and S Stephen Lang, while, acting, while adding new actors to the mix, such as Kate Winslet and Michelle Yeoh. So, truth be told, I've never seen Avatar. <laughs> I have heard rave reviews about this movie. It's been out almost a little over 13 years, and I still have not seen this movie. It didn't appeal to me then, and I'll be honest with you, it didn't. It doesn't really appeal to me now. Obviously, it was a phenomenon, global phenomenon. It is the number one box office movie in the world, making over two billion dollars. So, Endgame held that title for a long time, and then Avatar got re-released, <laughs> and that took it back over. Um, so, yeah. Um, this is, you know, coming out of Christmas. This is going to be for the kids, too. I really... Now, maybe I'll sit down and watch it and be wowed. But right now... And mind you, I haven't seen, I haven't seen the trailer. So once I see the trailer, if I'm blown away from it, you know, by it, I'm going to go, oh, I need to watch the first one. <laughs> so let's see what the trailer looks like before anything else but yeah as far as as far as anticipation for this movie and James Cameron has revolutionized the industry I mean 
So about a month ago or six weeks ago, Ilua and I myself sat down and we did a whole podcast on best directors. Um, if you haven't listened to that, go back and take a listen. You'll you'll hear what her best directors are and mine are. But getting back to Cameron, he's revolutionized. He's revolutionized the industry. Um, all you gotta do is look at Titanic. You know, 1997. Th- this blew away audiences with brand new technology and everything else. So he has done amazing, amazing work. I, I'll be curious to see. I do have a theory. I'll be curious to see how much this actually makes. Because I do have a theory. And my theory is this. If you have a movie that comes out, okay, feature film, blockbuster, whatever, you have about three to four years. And there's a movie coming up I'll be speaking to about two in a minute for another that actually goes into this theory. And I think it's died off. I'll be honest with you. I don't think people care about it anymore. Because it's been almost 13 years. It's past that time. So, and if he's coming out with four of these, when is the next, when is the last one going to come out? 2045? I mean, and listen, I get the technology has to be developed and everything else. But... At the same time, people are not going to wait five, seven, ten years in between movies. So, unless he has the scripts for all four movies done, which I don't think he does, but let's just say that he does, I don't think people are going to wait. Now, if I were Disney or whomever the studio is, I think it is Disney, I would have announced Avatar 3, too. Give them something else to not only, you know, wow them now, but give them something to to chew on for the next year or two. So when it does come out, you go, oh, wow, I forgot that was coming out. So we'll see. I'm really... like I said, I'm not too into this. I have to sit down and watch it. But let me see, let me watch the trailer first. Okay, so moving on to my other film that I was just referring to. And that is the big one that's coming out actually at the end of May. And that is Top Gun Maverick. And this comes from The Wrap. Top Gun Maverick just screened. Now, mind you, this... I, this article was written, it was two days ago, the 28th. Top Gun Maverick just screened at, at CinemaCon in Las Vegas, and the film appears to have taken the audience's breath away. Initial reactions are positively glowing, praising jo- director John Kaczynski's approach to the film's aerial flight sequences and action, while also acknowledging the sequel is surprisingly emotional. Starring Tom Cruise, who reprises his role as Maverick for the 1986 film, the sequel will fly into theaters May 27th. Val Kilmer will also reprise his role as Iceman. Hashtag 
Top Gun Maverick is a profound cinematic experience and easily the best film of the year, the rap's Drew Taylor wrote. What Kaczynski, Chris McQuarrie, and Eddie Hamilton, and of course Tom Cruise have accomplished is epic and intimate, heart-stopping and heartbreaking. However good you think this will be, it's better. Deadpool co-creator Rob Linfield is, quote, stunned at how absolutely outstanding, end quote, the film is, praising its, quote, perfect page, thrills, cast, and chemistry, and calling it one of the greatest sequels ever made. Kaleida's editor-in-chief, Stephen, Stephen Weintraub, gave a special shout-out to Miles Teller and Glenn Powell. Other film critics encourage moviegoers to, quote, see it on the biggest, loudest screen, end quote. She also wrote, Tom Cruise is a really a madman for some of this. The newcomers of the sequel include Jennifer Conley, Louis Pullman, Miles Teller, Monica Barbaco, Ed Harris, and John Hamm. Okay. So, one of, one of the best sequels ever made. That is a lofty statement. Now, if you go back and actually listen to another one of our podcasts, I think it was a couple weeks ago, um, The Hollywood Reporter actually um, wrote that this movie shot over 800 hours worth of footage. So that in itself is an incredible amount of footage. But nonetheless, so a couple of initial thoughts. Number one, I'm really glad to see Val Kilmer back, even if it's a small uh, cameo role. I'm really glad to see him back because he's had some health problems over the last couple years, and it's good to see him back acting. So even if it was a small role, um, you know, that's that's good to see. Now, obviously, for those people that have seen Top Gun, they know that the winner of the Academy got to come back as a uh, teacher but because I think of his problems they had to tweak it a little bit so they got Maverick instead I don't think that's going to hurt the film in the least calling you know one of the greatest sequels ever made now there's about there's only maybe and I say only maybe there's only about four or five sequels to me that are better than the originals and I was just naming them a few minutes ago Empire Strikes Back easily one of the best sequels of all time any movie critic will tell you that's up there in the top two I mean if you want to put Star Wars as number one that's understandable but easily but you know and I've gone it into nauseam about why I think it was a great sequel, so I'm not going to do that again. The Dark Knight. And it's not because of Heath Ledger, but Heath Ledger's performance gives it credence. Unbelievable. You had the love triangle. You had the action. You did have Heath Ledger's Joker. You had the stunts that were performed. Um... Yeah, 
the vehicles. So I think that that in itself has to be, and that once again, all film is subjective. Let me put that out there right now. So what you may think is a good film, I may differ. So, but for me, The Dark Knight is one of the best sequels ever made. The Godfather 2. Robert De Niro's performance is a young Vito Colleone. And we, you know, how Francis Ford Coppola t tells the story of how he came to America and built this empire. And unbelievable. Unbelievable movie. Was nominated for more than 10 Academy Awards. Um, yeah, so. But that encapsulates that that those movies encapsulate what sequels are supposed to be when an original movie is made whether it's star wars or the godfather or batman begins the expectation is the sequel always has to be better than the original and if it's not it's a letdown well that's eight out of nine eight or nine times out of ten that's usually not the case so, but to say one of the best sequels of all time. Now, I just a few moments ago spoke about how you have only a certain window of maybe three to four years. This movie has been trying to get made for the last 15 years. This movie was originally announced, originally announced in 2017. We're in 2022. Five years. So... And, and listen, a lot's happened. You've had COVID, you've had setbacks, you know, Tony Scott passed away, you know, tragically, all these things. I don't know how this is going to do. Um, you know, in, in my conversation with Ryan the other night, when we had him on, I asked him. So this is Ryan McQuaid's most anticipated movie of the year. I am I am interested in seeing the new Top Gun film. Okay. I know that that I, that one to me because I love that Tom Cruise keeps trying to kill himself for our pleasure, <laughs> and I think that that for all of us is is a, a treat. And that movie has been delayed for such a long time. The original Top Gun is is one of those staple action films of the eighties. And it's going to be premiering at the Cannes Film Festival, and I'm sure some of us might see it before. Definitely, we'll all see it after that premiere. But it will it will be it's one of those like it's like Dune. It's like a lot of films that were delayed because of the pandemic. You know, we we're going to finally get to experience that, and on a big screen. Like that's the one thing you can say, you know, about Tom Cruise movies. Let alone, you know, you can separate the man here from from the films. His Mission Impossible films this Top Gun movie, they have a sense of scope yeah. and the ability to want us to go and see it on the, on the giant screen, the biggest screen possible with the loudest sound and everything. So I'm very much looking forward to that film. And I said, okay. And I asked him point blank. I said, how much do you think it's going to make? Maybe I'm being optimistic. I think it's going to do about $55 million, which I still think is a pretty good opening weekend for that movie. You know, if you're not a Marvel movie right now, it it is a crapshoot to figure out what you're going to get. I don't think it's going to do a hundred, and for a couple of reasons. Number one, Doctor Strange is going to be out for three weeks. Okay, this film is 
going to kick off the summer. It made belongs to to Marvel. So I think this Top Gun movie is going to be a one-off. I think people are going to go see it, and that's it. Because what will end up happening is all of those people that went to see Doctor Strange in the first week are going to go back and see Doctor Strange in the second week. And while you have Doctor Strange out and you have Top Gun out, I really believe that those people are going to go back and see Doctor Strange a second time. Now, the other thing too is in a couple weeks after this, you have the new Jurassic Park movie coming out on the 10th of June. I think that's going to hurt its business too. Because all those people are going to go that have seen Top Gun, they're going to go rush to see Jurassic Park. And those people that haven't seen Top Gun and Jurassic Park and Doctor Strange is out, well, what are they going to go see, right? This is going to be the first time in almost three years you've had three blockbusters out at the same time. So I really truly believe that this is going to do money. This is going to make a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think it's going to make as much as people think it's going to make. Um, even with the flying, even with the emotional, you know, uh, emotional attachments here, the story, you know, Christopher McQuarrie's been working with Tom Cruise for the better part of 20 years. So I think this is going to be a good movie. Am I looking forward to it? Yeah, absolutely. I, because the other thing too is technology is advanced, right? I mean, we're 25, 30 years out from Top Gun and they're able to put cameras inside of the jet planes and they're actually flying the planes. <laughs> That's why it takes, you know, it took a year just to be able to do this and be able, to, they had all of these actors and actresses had to go through Top Gun and fly these planes. I mean, Tom Cruise was a pilot in any event, but still. So, this is this is going to be a hell of a ride. So, but it, sticking to my prediction, if I'm going to say it, I'm going to say 65 to 70 million. I think it's going to do well, but I don't think it's going to do that well. Okay, so we've talked about a couple of blockbusters, and now when we've Let's, we're going to finish up on a kind of a strange note or a wild note, if you will. Um, so the little bit of backstory here is uh, Jason Zudakis of Ted Lasso and Olivia Wilde had been married for several years. And recently they just got a divorce. And um, while Olivia Wilde was on stage, Jason Zudakis actually served her well, I'll, let me read the article and then you'll understand what I'm saying. This comes from Variety. Jason Sudeikis, quote, had no prior knowledge that his former fiance, and by the way, I did say they were married. Let me correct that. She was his fiance. Had no prior knowledge that his former fiance, Olivia Wilde, would be served with child custody documents during her appearance at CinemaCon, a source told Variety. Papers were drawn up to establish jurisdiction relating to the children of Miss Wilde and Mr. Zudakis, the source said. Mrs. Zudakis had no prior knowledge of the time or place that the envelope would have been delivered, as this would have been solely up to the process server 
company involved and he would never condone her being served in such an inappropriate manner. On Tuesday, while Wilde was presenting the trailer for her new film, Don't Worry Darling, at the movie ex- exhibition convention, a mysterious man- manila folder labeled, quote, personal and confidential, was slid to her by someone in the front of the stage. At first, onlookers believed that the envelope was to be a script from someone attempting to gain the Booksmart's director's attention. But Deadline reported on Wednesday after the envelope contained custody documents from Zudakis. Variety spoke to several eyewitnesses who said the individuals who served Wilde the envelope was credentialed by CinemaCon. Representatives for Wilde did not immediately respond to requests for comment. In response to the incident, CinemaCon did say in a statement that it would, quote, reevaluate their security protocols. To protect the integrity of our studio partners and talent, we will reevaluate our security protocols in NATO, Managing Director and Head of CinemaCon Mitch Newhouser's told Variety. So NATO is a national organization of theater owners. We will act accordingly because it's the right thing to do. We want to do the safe and proper thing. Well, talk about wild. That is the most, that is the probably the one of the craziest things I have ever heard or read in my life. Being served custody papers while you're in front of it was about 14,000 people, but 40, a whole auditorium of people. And this is your brand new uh, film. And you want to show it off to say, look, look what I'm giving you people. Look what I'm going to be showing you. This is the, my film. This is my latest piece of art. And to get served with custody papers? Wow. You On the, on the, the face value, you want to believe that they had no prior knowledge. But let's face it. All this information is made public. So you're telling me that they didn't know when Olivia Wilde was going to be on stage? In which auditorium? At On what day? At what time? They didn't know that? I find that hard to believe. Um, I will say one thing. She handled it like a true professional. This is one of those things where it's so unorthodox. You never expect it to happen. And her grace and her... She was so cool under pressure. I mean, I hate to bring it up, but it was almost like the crit, it was almost like the slap at the Oscars. It was so unexpected that, I mean, when I first watched it, I thought it was staged, and Chris Rock just, eh, no big deal. And he handled it with such grace and, and humility that she did the same thing. And there's not much you can say, really. They went through a bitter, bitter custody battle, or they're going through one, and. I really hope that if that is true that they hadn't he had no prior knowledge I hope he, he at least sent her a message to say I am so sorry I did not mean to have that happen to you even if they, they're separated or you know because no person should ever have to go through something as humiliating as that especially when they're showing off their 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 achievement right so i'm 
I, I would really have liked to have gotten Illua's, uh opinion on this because being a female, had that happened to her, what would she have done? Um, so I think that this is one of those things you just, that, you know, this is the second incident we've had happen on stage, nonetheless, in the past three months. You know, you had the slap at the Oscars, and now you have this. So, chalk it up to one of the most bizarre things you'll ever see. So, and as far as the security, look, if, if they were there, if they were, had the credentials, you know. Um, I mean, even if you had served her backstage, that would have been, I wouldn't have had, a, I would have, ne- I would have ne- had a problem with that. But to do it while she's on stage? I don't know. Let me know what you guys think. Let me know what you guys think. Would you rather have her been served backstage or after the presentation? Totally. Or, you know, what what do you guys think? So that's going to wrap up a bazaar for this for this podcast. So let me guys let me give you guys a little bit of an update. I have another interview with somebody on the horizon and actually the commercial that you heard at the beginning of the pot of this podcast um i'm gonna have uh the founder on and there's something that we might be doing together and collaborating on i don't want to give you guys I'll, I'll, I'll give you a hint you'll really enjoy it um but that that will be down the road so next week we're going to be doing a preview of Doctor Strange, but instead of doing a preview, we're going to do a overview of the whole MCU with Ann Cargard and myself. Um, she's the Marvel aficionado. So, and don't forget, guys, we got Flashback Friday coming. So, um, the first episode will drop actually the day that Doctor Strange releases. May 6th. Look for that. Don't forget to check that out. Um, if you like everything that you're hearing, I'm trying please hit the follow button because we have so much stuff coming up this summer. And with Flashback Fridays coming up and that's going to run almost into the end of the year and we're going to have some great interviews we're going to have, you know, continue with our main topic uh, podcast and all that great stuff. So for David Steele, you have been listening to Real Talk.